0: Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 77. I had a chat with Steve Garden. He is the owner and I guess creative director, uh, the guy with the plan behind one of New Zealand's most wonderful and I think most important music labels, Rattle. Uh, Rattle Records. Uh, release a lot of jazz a lot of classical a lot of soundtracks and and things that fall in those spaces in between things that things that uh you know uh, i I don't want to say outside of music but improvised jazz things like that steve uh and i had never met until we did this podcast we corresponded a little bit um i've been a fan of a lot of the things that he's released through the label uh and i think as a small label you know fighting for funding and and to just try to get things out there I guess he's appreciated some of that support so he was keen to meet I was keen to talk to him because before he started Rattle he was a drummer who played uh, in Sharon O'Neill's band he was going to be the original drummer of the Mutton Birds, I believe he was involved in some of the earliest uh, songwriting and jamming sessions when Don was putting the band together and it was just a three-piece and yeah, he's yeah, he's played a lot of music and uh, and so we had a great old chat about all of that and then of course about the the, the birth and the history of, of Rattle Records and, and what they're up to and what they're doing next. And they have also released, you know, loads of records by people that have spoken on this podcast or people that I've interviewed that you haven't heard yet. Jonathan Craford, David Long, Norman Meehan, and yeah, loads of people like that. So yeah, this was really, really uh, worthwhile chat, really fun for me, and uh, nice to, you know, if this is your introduction to Rattle, then maybe you'll um, check out their site, check out some of their, the music that they're still releasing. At one point they were just pumping out the records and really important stuff, I think, like a, a really, you know, uh, he, deserves, he deserves some sort of medal of honour, some sort of award, and the, most of the records that he's released deserve to be in a New Zealand cultural museum, so... Uh, enjoy this. This is me talking with Steve Garden. This is Sweatman Podcast episode seventy-seven. Yeasty boys, Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat, thanks very much for your support. Enjoy this conversation, me chatting with Steve Garner. So so where did you grow up? Dunedin. Came from Dunedin. And what, what where did where did you what was going on in your childhood?
1: Where did music kind of find you or where did you find it? Yeah, that's a good question. Well I um, Gradually, really. I think probably um, early high school. Yeah. Uh, remember, in fact, I sort of became part of a band, if you can call it that, just a group of kids who were banging away on things. Uh, this guy that I knew, his brother was in a band, you know, like a lot older. Yeah. And they had gear set up in their home. And they were fairly wealthy, so they were all very decked out with stuff. And we used to use their gear and just make a racket. Um, but I was sort of mostly interested in that particular band because there was a girl in it that, that I wanted to see, get to know, and I had no real aspirations to play or to be a musician at all at that time, at, at that point. But something happened somewhere, and I don't know what it was, but in the course of just mucking around with these guys, yeah, I discovered that I could actually play the drums. You know, yeah. it wasn't that difficult, and um, it just seemed sort of natural to me. You know, and uh, and I started hearing what I ought to be doing. You know, it yeah. sort of made sense. And um, and I ended up bumping into a, a couple of guys that I didn't know, but I know that either either I was recommended to them or something. I can't remember how it all came about. But we ended up just, you know, jamming on a regular basis down in church halls and school halls yeah. and things like that. And um, and very quickly I got quite good, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah. Were you, what was the...
0: What was helping you? Like were you playing along to records or just listening to records? And, not and at so,
1: that. Not at that point. I was listening to a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as we all, yeah, did, you know. yeah, yeah. I mean, Blind Faith, for example. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, those albums were sort of quite, quite. And they're kind of drum
0: heavy, and the, yeah. and the, you know, and the, <laughs> the drummer sticks out, right? That's
1: right, right. absolutely. Yeah, but you yeah. know, great, great material. Oh, yeah, though. but I mean, I, I didn't have any real particular. Um, orientation as right. a as a musician. I mean, I didn't want to do anything in particular. I wasn't wanting to be in a Led Zeppelin type of band yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or a Cream kind of band or anything. I was just really interested in a, interested the, in playing and, sp- and you know jamming. Actually,
0: you know, what at, at home, you know, are, are you the first musician of the family, Are there other, you know? What's... Yeah, my brother is too. Yeah, uh, bass player. So you didn't get it from your folks or anything like that. Like this?
1: Uh... Well, not really. I think I think my father might have had some. Um, Brief, Devil. kind of, you know, <laughs> um, moment there where he was involved. I think he might have played in some, I don't know, um, pipe band because yeah. he's from Dundee and he might yeah, have played yeah. the snare drum or something. But, yeah. I do, you know, I don't, I, you know, probably, I don't think that's a particularly big... Yeah, influence. Genetic, you
0: know. So, you know, are you got
1: at school and interested in school or do you oh very much yeah, yeah. I was quite a bright kid I think and yeah. but but actually I left school way too young I should have gone to university yeah. and I should have pursued that thing and it, and it would have been good for me in hindsight I mean I you know I mean the friendships that I made in later years were yeah. all with people who had been through the university and were literate and educated and bookish and yeah. you know interested in art and all of that sort of thing yeah. and, and that's my Sort of orientation, really, yeah. I love language, and you know, kind of um, theatre and music and film and all, all those sorts of things. They, they, it's sort of, you know, the.
0: Well, I get, I get that some people can be, <coughs> you know, everyone has a particular focus. That I get that some people can be so into the world of music and and, and not some of those other things. To just they, but for me, and it sounds like for you, and I, I just sort of feel like it's logical that. That they all kind of exist in this shared space, yeah. and they you, you meet one eventually because of the other. Yeah. You know, they, there's a flow there, Absolutely. like you. You know, if you're interested in music, you start getting really interested in film, maybe because of the way music is used in film, or because you know you go and see Toby, or
1: you know something like that. Well, it's, possibly, you know, but just art forms doing yeah, what yeah, art yeah. forms do. Absolutely. You know? And if you're open to the arts, then, yeah. of course you know, yeah, you're, yeah, that openness will lead you wherever, <laughs> yeah. wherever yeah, yeah. you're willing to be led, I yeah. suppose. You know?
0: So what do you do instead? You take playing seriously and that becomes, or, well, or basically, you go out and
1: work? Look, for fran- frankly, what happened was, I, I. in fact, the reason why I I didn't go through the school system as I should have, really, was because I was um, impatient. And, uh, I mean, I really was, I wanted to get out there and start doing. And I, yeah. I was going to be either a painter or an illustrator, uh, that's really where my focus was, and and uh, it was actually a young teacher I had in high school, and he and I set up a little business that didn't really go anywhere or do anything, but we did all these posters, you know, Jimi Hendrix style of yeah. high contrast posters and things like that, and we were selling them through the shops in Dunedin and whatnot, And but it kind of, you know, we both ran out of steam rather quickly, but that gave me a sense of, actually, you know, if you want to do something, you just do it. Yeah. And I really just wanted to get going. I wanted to do something with the arts or something that was creative. And um, <laughs> and what I ended up doing, in actual fact, was um, doing leather work in a, in a sort of a bag-making factory, but, you know, making clocks and chessboards yeah. and, you know, embossing leather and all that. And I, I did that for quite some time. And during that time... This is my mid to late teens, I suppose. I started working in bands just as a matter of course. Yeah. Um, you know, end of the week, weekends, that kind of thing. Still a deleted. No, well, I. When do you, I, move, when do you ditch that? Yeah, I, I headed up to Christchurch when I was still very young, I yeah. think about 16 or 17. Um, and I got involved with a band there uh, called Pork Chops of all things. Which was quite a big sort of a band in a way at that time. This was in the mid 70s. It was a university band and it used to do all the university gigs and I played at a pub called Gresham in Cashelston, which was the university pub, you know, basically. And and it was something of a notorious um, venue for dope dealers and all that that kind of thing, you know. But, um, But that was, I mean, I did that sort of, you know, nights, two, three nights, four nights a week. And, and you know, worked uh, doing all this sort of, you know, leather work and whatnot. And that's, it was at that time, round about the time I met Mike Farrell. Yeah. Who's a guitar player from Hamilton, Auckland, that area. And he was looking for musicians he could form a band with that would record and perform his material. And he was a good friend of one of the guys in the band I was in. And he came and sat in with us and he just loved my playing and we hit it off. He was a good 10 years older than me, but we, you know, I was really into what he was doing. And basically, from then on, I just followed Mike around for a good five years. I mean, wherever he went, I went. You know, we had you know various bands like you know Rough Justice. Yeah. I was in Rough Justice because you know Mike was. When Mike left, I left. Uh, yeah. Right. You know, we set up our own bands and and so you're moving through the towns as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I was touring. Yeah. For maybe a year, yeah. just you know the Rough Justice bus and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. just on the road. You know, because yeah. back then you could. You could Have be you read that book yet? That Bollinger's book? I haven't oh, read it, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, but I
0: will, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it, it covers that, that... That time. That
1: bad, that era, yeah. that time. Like, well, boy. I met Nick at that time. Right, I was going to... Yeah, before he... Became part of Rough yes, justice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Nick oh, was a bass player that Mike and I were with were really yeah, keen to try and right. And we asked him at one point if he'd yeah. come and join our band, but he said no. Right. But I really liked working with Nick. Yeah. I mean, the guy that we were most interested in working with was. Um, he
0: sounds um, like he has similar similar thing going in a way that he was the young guy that yeah. um, looked up to some older musicians and looked from but them. He but he was but also
1: very loyal. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the way that I was loyal to Mike, yeah. he, he was very loyal to um, you know Bill Lake. And, yeah. And, yeah, and, and still is <laughs> and still is yeah. so and I mean I get that Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, but, I mean we really wanted to work with um, De- I mean I, I had Clint, a big, you know, big chat with Nick when, when his book came out and it a, I'd read it you know already it, it was a beautiful book and um, oh, so course, yeah right, you, right. you'll yeah. you'll I mean you'll know the characters in it you know yeah, many yeah. of them <laughs> okay so you so, so when does something sort of Kick in, solidify, yeah. Kick well, in. I mean that, that sounds great. But were you, and it does. It sounds like you were young enough for that to be stimulating and not too worrying about what comes next. No, but that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When does either something really big happen, or or some worry that right? I need
1: to. Well, Mike toddled off to Australia to join Red Hot uh, Chili Peppers. Yeah. Because right? he and um, oh, Robbie Levin. We're old friends and, and so off he went and did that because he wasn't getting anywhere he felt with his pursuit here and yeah. he thought maybe doing that with those guys might give him the platform that he needs. So yeah. off he went and I was sort of left, you know, wondering what to do. And I went back to Christchurch and that was just, that had died. I mean, there was nothing there for me. Yeah, And I was a bit worried. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I got a call from um, uh, the guys in Rocking Horse Yeah, because they're drummer Jim Laurie was leaving or something and they were looking for a drummer and they asked me if I'd do it and I was really happy about that because that was the band at that time that I was really interested in you know so I shifted to Wellington at that point and that was a major thing for me I came to Wellington around around about 77 or 8 around about there to join the Rocking Horse dream band for me, fantastic. Did Jim
0: leave to go to Highway or something? I don't know I
1: don't know what he went off to do Um, but uh Anyway, yeah, I mean, Barry Saunders was in the band at that time, Wayne and Clint and yeah. Kevin, and it was, you know, it's just my dream band, I was so happy to be in it, but it only lasted for six months, because right. Clint decided he didn't want to tour anymore, and he was into The Last Resort at yeah. that time, you know, yeah. um, but as luck would have it, during that six month period, I started doing a lot of session work, even though I was out playing with the band. Yeah. Yeah. I started getting known around Wellington as a as a sort of fairly reliable, you know, session player and I was really interested in recording at that point. Does too. that
0: mean T V ads, jingles, radio spots, shows, just yeah, whatever was going on. Film, you know. whatever. Some albums. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah, But mostly jingles and things, yeah. you know. I mean Steve Robinson was at Marmalade and he he had a um, you know, production company that he ran out of there doing jingles and he would get me, you know, maybe I don't know seventy per cent of the time to come and play or something like that. You know. And
0: are you play a um, drum set and, yep. and and a bit of various percussion as well or just drums? Oh yeah
1: yeah mostly just yeah drums. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah yeah. And enjoying living in Wellington, living in the Arrow Valley here and just yeah. um, it was a fantastic time, you know, it was great. Right. And then I got a gig with Sharon O'Neill, did her did some of her album and then did a tour with her. And that's
0: at what point for her, the beginning, of her, beginning of her real rise, right? Well, like she, it was
1: before she went to Australia, it was yeah, yeah. right on the cusp of yeah, that whole I, yeah. Sony experience yes. or CVS then, yeah, yeah. it was called. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, she just put out words and yeah. she was working on... Asian you know, Paradise, must, you know, must have been. All of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha- so that's what I mean, like
0: right at the start of the real magic yeah. in terms of people recognising that um, she's a
1: songwriting talent too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was involved in that tour. And that was that was a pretty big deal, I suppose. But it was during that tour with Sharon, it was a three-month tour of um, Australia and New Zealand, I I realised that I wasn't a touring animal. <laughs> right. Um, and there were a lot of other things that I was interested in. I was really interested in recording uh, as a musician, you know, but also I was getting interested in the whole dynamics of recording from an engineering point of view. Even though I wasn't engineering yeah. at all, I was playing with... Um, you know, live recording and just developing an interest in audio, you know.
0: Yeah. Where did that yeah. come from? Did that come from um, the experiences of being in the studio, but mm-hmm. also were you also uh, were you a guy who liked to sort of unpick records and wonder how, you know, as you're listening to them, wonder how sounds are being, being
1: made? Uh, not so much at that point, but that did happen. That yeah. was the next thing. Yeah. Um, and that just was a natural... Um, yeah, one follows the other. Yeah, yeah, you just start to listen differently. Yeah. and can
0: I identify this? And yeah.
1: You sort of try to play those, you know, those, yeah. Well, well look, what happened was... Quiz we yourself, were, yeah. We were all set to go to Australia with Sharon, and then the record company over the said, uh, you know, over there said, well, no, we just want you. We can get session musicians when we need them, so we'd, we're not going to take the whole band. So, yeah. But, and we were all poised to go, and it was virtually three weeks before we were set to go. Wow. We... Um, heard that it wasn't happening. So um, so I decided then that I was going to go to Auckland because... So it was sort of a blessing for you, but not at the time. Well, uh, well, it was a little disappointing because yeah. I was looking forward to going over there and yeah. working, but I, I, at the same I time... I mean, in terms of forcing your hand, you, and you, you're yes. having this
0: realisation, I don't really... I'm not really a touring, a touring guy. touring
1: guy. I like it in yeah. short bursts, but, you know, three months is way too long, and and which is why I didn't um, join the mutton birds because i I was their first drummer and um and don and i were old friends and david long was amazing and so it was a really good little trio yeah uh but don had real high aspirations you know and he wanted to he wanted to take it further and this was a little bit later of course but yeah 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 we'll come back to that because i I want to hear that story well
0: that's about all there is to say um except but what you're getting at there too i guess is don (laughs) had um, sort of probably felt he'd done his time on the fringes and what he wanted with the Button birds was to, yeah. one way or another, hit it. Well, like, I think the blams to, gave him real taste yeah. for what could be in a commercial sense. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. You know, but, you know, but that's and, what I mean. Yeah. And, then, and he'd, he'd done the sort of arty stuff either side of yeah. the blams with, with some commercial success and, 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 and certainly some critical yeah. acclaim and all of that, but the, the mutton birds was his... Um, Time to make a pop yeah. band that makes pop records and That's goes right. and plays shows and goes everywhere, right? Yeah. And that
1: band kind of he he had a focus from day one with that. To, oh, very much, and it was still a very arty kind of thing too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, both David and I, in and our own ways. and those were, records
0: really stand up about Birds Records. I yes, think, they do. I think the
1: yeah. first three,
0: I, I never really yeah. had my head around the fourth one. I just. Don't know why but I must have moved on to other things and then that came out. and, yeah, right. and I just yeah. never. It's got a couple of good songs on it, but I just haven't spent enough time with that. But I think the first three right. yeah, are yeah. really great. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, yeah. yeah. Actually, Ross is just the perfect guy for the band, too. I mean, yeah, particularly for the kind of band that it was going to become. You know, I would have bailed, right? I just knew it yeah. as, as much as I loved Don and I love his, uh, you know, writing. I was really happy in the band. Yeah, I mean, it was a great, great band, but. I knew he wanted commitment and I and you know, I just set up Rattle at that time too. Right. This was like nineteen ninety one. Ninety two. So, so so we need to fill in the rest of the eighties. We 80s. Do need to fill that in. So basically so you basically uh, <laughs> got me to eighty one and then you jumped to ninety one. So yeah. let's fill Didn't in mean the to 80, do
0: that. No, 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 I know. But let's <laughs> fill in the eighties. Let's let's go. Yeah, back.
1: well basically I, I I headed off to Auckland because during that time with Sharon we did some recording here in Auckland. Yeah. Um or there in Auckland and um and I got a lot of great feedback from the studio people up there who hadn't heard... Well, actually, what they really liked about me as a player, there there were two things. One is I was very um, attuned to my sound and getting particular sounds for certain songs and sort of detuning and retuning, and and they hadn't seen a lot of guys doing that. Yeah. So that was that sort of... And they all commented on that, which was nice. But also the sort of style that I had was not bombastic and it was very very much serving the song and locking in and just propelling, you know. Yeah. And I had a fluidity about my playing, particularly then, you know, that I think was very attractive and so they were all saying, Oh man, if you were here you could get you know, you get a lot of session work and I thought, Well when Australia fell through, I thought, well, why don't we go to Auckland and, and just, because of course, you know, I, I will say, there's uh, uh, a little sort of negative, um, the scene that I was in down here was starting to get very stale for me, and I was finding it all a bit too cynical yep. back in back in the day, in like eighty eighty one, uh, Wellington was, um, the kind of people that I was working with and the sort of set that I was hanging out with, I felt were just a bit well, cynical is the word I, I would use, and and so um, I wasn't very happy, and I was keen for a change, you know. I sort of wanted to, to kind of, you know. I mean, that's that's where going to Australia with Sharon yeah, yeah. really would have suited me, because I would have got re-established, uh, yeah, in a in a you know different part of the world, yeah. And and I and if that had happened, I would probably still be there, but I wasn't going to go there without work, and so when that gig fell through. I thought, well, that's it. Yeah, uh, Auckland, it is because I could, I could, I could handle that, but not. And you've been in, in Auckland ever since, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and, or, yeah. And you know, I'll be very frank. I mean, Auckland, Auckland's not a town that I've really warmed to particularly. Right. I mean, I'm a Dunedin boy, and yeah. and I love Dunedin, and I love Wellington. Wellington's yeah. like a second home, and I, yeah, I do like this this town a lot, you know. Um, but you know, I've got to say, uh, there's something about, and this is just from my point of view. There's something yeah. about. Uh, the culture in Wellington that does, maybe because it's such a tight little town, if you know what I mean, and, yeah, yeah. Um, it does lend itself to a kind of a cliqueiness and a certain sort of cynicism, which yeah. um, living with I find very hard. But yeah. coming and visiting and working and getting involved in yeah, things yeah. and then going is fine. That suits me. Yeah. The thing I like about Auckland, even though it's not you know my favourite town uh, you know in the country, what I like about it is that because it's so dispersed, it's not just a dispersed Geographically, it's dispersed in terms of the way that people do what they do. I yeah. mean, you can, I can work with someone there one year and not see them for five or six years. It's, and when we come together to work again, it's good, it's solid. It's and there's of... no bullshit going on yeah. around the edges. Whereas here in Wellington, I have to say, everyone knows each other and it's like being in a family all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can... Why haven't you called? <laughs> you yeah, can yeah, wear yeah, out yeah. your welcome. I, I, you know. I think
0: Auckland, <laughs> Auckland and, and I think, uh, you know... New Zealand being so small, still and always, um, you know, I think Auckland wins through sheer size, right? Like yeah. of 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 um, numbers, you know, and and that thing you were saying of of big a bunch of different little pockets, yeah. little communities within. And you can so slip don't, in don't, and out of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're free to be who you are. But just the way But that, just the numbers know. game means it wins. Like yes, you know, like I if know. you wanna, like there might be some better music going on in other parts of the country, um, but if you want a bunch of music, you go to Auckland because there's so many people there and, so, you know, there's some of our best musicians are there. Yeah. And all of that. But, like,
1: it's just sheer numbers that's going to win. Well, look, let me, let me sort of share something with you that I think um, may or may not be true. But I've often had the feeling, in fact, I I, I sort of Believe, or that's probably the right word to use. Yeah, that Rattle wouldn't have been as successful as it was, or have the reputation that it has, yeah. if we had been a Wellington company. Yes, there's something about that. there's something about the fact that Rattle is based in Auckland. No
0: disrespect, <laughs> but it would have been another J or something like that, you know, which who they, knows what it would their, have had their time, but and, and have a fondness to the people
1: that. The thing, is, below, the thing is that Wellington made rattle. Yeah. I mean our biggest supporters are in Wellington. Yeah. And our biggest audience is in Wellington. And we're basically making music that's Wellington based a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't do a lot of Auckland music. Yeah. And although it's a little bit a little bit more in recent years. But yeah. um but we're kind of, to all intent and purposes, a Wellington label. But, yeah, but if, we, <laughs> if we were housed here, I think it might not have worked. And I don't know why. I don't think we would have quite had the mana that how we had. Funny. It, it's yeah. a strange thing, and I could be totally wrong about it No, I could I, could, I could. I mean, we need to fill in a few more <laughs> steps,
0: but I, yeah. I could see what you're saying. I yeah. totally can see what you're saying. So we need to get to the formation of Rattle. So to do that... We'll, Let's, okay. let's get through the rest of your 80s. So, I'm, not, yes. I'm not rushing you. No, it's okay. I just want to find out what else you do before you... Ha- and where the light bulb moment comes.
1: Well, you know, um, when I got to Auckland, I, I probably spent a year not earning much and just getting established there yeah. and getting to know people and all that sort of thing. And then it all started to kick in and, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of work and I was um, involved in This is the session you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sessions and gigs, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the key projects... There were a handful of them. Um, Harlequin Studios was happening at that stage and it was a big deal, kind of a studio. You know, split ends were in there doing things and and the guys that ran the place had a real high aspiration in terms of audio quality. And I did a couple of recordings in there that were kind of key and one of them was, of course, After the Carnival, um, Graham Graham Gash's album, and that was massive and that had a huge influence. And at that same time, there was also Robbie Sinclair's... um, Three voices and an album that never got released um, that Josie Ricker made, which was a gorgeous album, really fantastic right. album, and it never saw the light of the day. Uh, light of day, but it's still around. Yeah, um, and I was talking to Graham just recently, and and uh, you know he's going to. He's still gonna try and get it get it out. Right. But it all got tied up in some sort of legal kind of book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, those albums were, were quite influential and quite you know, made quite a big deal. What was
0: Grave Gash's band called? Uh,
1: oh, Waves. Yeah. In the seventies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, they re released that record yeah, yeah, yeah. a few fa- years ago. That was Well I'm hoping right? actually, it's an amazing record. I love that. I'm hoping that after the carnival we yeah. can re release on Rattle. Yeah. Rattle Echo, you know I'd love when to that, hear right that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's by the by. Um, uh, but it was as a result of doing those recordings and being involved in Harlequin quite extensively at the time. I was doing a lot of work down there that I met a lot of people and people like Don, that's, it, that's how I met him. And then yeah. I got involved with From Scratch. And, yeah. and then I met Ivan Zani and that was a key thing too through through Don. And Ivan and I did an album together, as you know. Yeah. And we did it in what then became my little studio, which was in the basement of the flat that I had moved into in yeah. Mount Eden. Um, and we set up this little studio called Basement Tapes, haha. Um, and did a lot of real, uh, to begin with, real low-fi um, four-track recording, and then yeah. we got an eight-track recorder, and we were off. We were being very creative at that point and doing all sorts of flash stuff. And that's what Ivan and I did our album, and I did, you know, I sort of learnt about engineering through those yeah. two or three years. Um, and Ivan got me to come and record the Avant Garage album up at Mascot, which was a real big deal for me. Yeah. Taking on the responsibility of an album that I wasn't just mucking around with in my own studio, but actually going to a proper studio and having to, you know, it was like being thrown in the deep end, really. But it was such an exhilarating experience. And the album's great, I think. It really worked out really uh, well. And a lot of it's sort of live to two two track, too. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Really good album to do. But that got me sort of established, really, um... Uh, at least in my own mind, as someone who um, could pursue some sort of an audio uh, career, for want of a better word. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was um, um, Progressive Studios had set up a few years beforehand in downtown Auckland, and they were doing a lot of the Flying Nun stuff, you know. Yeah. And they were looking to get other people in, other engineers, um, so that they could expand what they were doing and not just be focused on the Dunedin style of thing, you know. Yeah. and we were looking to expand and maybe move into a better place. And so we basically packed up all this stuff and we moved it into Progressive. So we brought all our gear in, which was good for them. And they had all this other gear that was good for us. And they had a good space, or certainly a much better space. Yeah, than yeah, maybe. yeah. So I, I kind of hung in there for a good 10 years, uh, learning about recording, doing a huge amount of albums, just, you know, album, you know, month after month after month. Good and the bad, you know, yeah, just yeah. stuff, just learning and getting my chops together over, over a long long period. And it was in the late 80s that um, Tim Gummer and Keith Hill and I started talking about how, well, because we were all very enthusiastic about what was happening at ECM, you know, we were fans of that kind of yeah. music, you know, for some time. And we thought, and we were also hanging out with people like Nigel Gavin and, you know, the guys of, at From Scratch. yeah. Phil Dadson, helping them with their recordings and whatnot. And we all felt that, 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 would be, that, would, that, that it would be good if there was a uh, a label that had a focus that was on contemporary New Zealand art music, you know, stuff that up until that point there hadn't really been a label that could deal with it. You yeah, know, yeah. The closest we would have got back then would have been Ode, uh, Terence and Earl Joyce, who... Would put stuff out, but yeah, he um, he didn't really I mean, but, uh, give it yeah, a platform, you like, know. Yes, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. thought there needs to be a platform for this sort of music, and mm-hmm. why don't we set it up, you know? And uh, and uh, you know, Gitbox Rebellion was being recorded at Progressive around nineteen ninety. Yeah. We thought, and I was also working with From Scratch at that time on their recording, and so we thought this could be our first two albums. What do you?
0: Um yeah, what, what, it's an interesting thing to, to go from um, thinking of doing that to actually like like anything like this, you know, like to making that leap. Because yeah. even now, you say that and... It like, sounds like, easy, doesn't it? Well, yes, it's, it, it, well, it, it, on the one hand it sounds easy, but it also sounds terrifying <laughs> well, look, <laughs> you know, like, as well. I mean, you
1: know, there's something to be said for being naive, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really does help yeah. to just go and do and learn and yeah. find out as you go. What I like is, and you know, we'll
0: unpack this more. But that simple kind of, um, you know, uh, premise and and principle for what the company was going to be and what you're going to release yeah. stands to this day. It does. You know, that is yeah. a good as far as you know. Obviously, it's it's got probably more, uh, wider, broader than you imagined. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. Uh, you've done more than you would have imagined. Yeah. Um, absolutely. In terms of numbers, but like you know, in terms of amount of records you've released, but. But that, as a catch-all description, that still works. It does. Yeah, which is impressive because so many things um, don't just morph; they completely sell out on themselves and yeah. just go right. We need yeah. to chase this. We need to, don't, you know, don't care if we're doing cutting edge dance music. We're going to sign Katy Perry because it's going to bring some units in for us.
1: You know. Well, that was thing. one thing we just we just didn't do. One one of the things that we decided, which we've since uh, relented on to some degree. Yeah. But one of the things that we decided early on is that we 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 weren't going to work with singer-songwriters. We weren't, right. we weren't going to put out music that would otherwise normally go out through the existing channels. What Rattle was about was setting up a platform for music that didn't have a channel. That was the whole point of it. Yeah. So, and we didn't set it up as a business, that's the other thing, and, uh, in the sense that we didn't set it up with the intention of it making money. I mean, if it made money, fine. But yeah. if it didn't, fine too. And we, we decided very early on that we weren't going to be governed by yeah. um, having to be commercially successful. Our whole MO <laughs> yeah, yeah. was the, the, the projects that we felt um, orientated towards it and that we wanted to support, we supported, and that was it. And the and how we were able to afford that was because we had our own studio, yeah. so we could record whatever we wanted, and all we were losing was our time. Yeah. And as far as uh, putting albums out goes, uh, Keith, in fact, had a he had a ten thousand dollar inheritance, and he staked Rattle with yeah. that money right up right up front, and that enabled us to. Get our first half, well, our first few releases out. Wow. The first three, anyway. Yeah. Uh, maybe even the first four, up to, to de Fe. and then after that, we were we were sort of off. And
0: as Fe is that the first one that really broke? Yeah, made something. In the terms one and of, only. That's, that's, one, that's really. the announcement but.
1: Well, no, that was the album that. Uh, well, no, the, the first album we put out was Pesky Digits, which yeah. was get box, and then we did Songs for Heroes. And then we put out a sort of a sampler. We put out yeah. different tracks, which is an album of multiple uh, composers and performers. Uh, so it's a real sampler, and it's sort of um, the interesting thing about different tracks is that it, without really being aware of it at the time, it has it became something of a manifesto, if you like. It it typified where we were going to go. Yeah. I mean, Eve de Castro Robinson's got a piece on that. We did something with From Scratch. Peter Hayter, uh, that's where we met Richard and Hedony. Yeah, right. Um, so, there were, I mean, John John Suthers, we did uh, Matrix Dance yeah, on that album. Yeah. So there were a lot of touchstones there that, you know, working with composers and performers who would later become uh, kind of crucial to our yeah. Theater, yeah, yeah. Or, or central, let's say. Yeah, yeah, um, key like, figures. Yeah, like John, particularly yeah, yeah, there, but, yeah. but particularly, you know, Richard Duns. Richard Duns, yeah. Um, you know, we've, we continue... Like even to this year, yeah. to have an ongoing relationship with Richard, you know, even yeah. though of course you know he's not well, but but um, you know that's been one of our most abiding streams, if you like.
0: So you say uh, art, music from New Zealand. Uh, when did you when did you know that a, a very crucial part of that was going to be you know uh, music that celebrates the indigenous culture of Maori music. Um, and again, Barry music that's not singer songwriter oriented, but but kind of rooted in the traditional music. Obviously, it's you know there's electronica and there's all sorts of flourishes and flavors and remixes and and new takes on it. But it's sort of rooted in the traditional, particularly in terms of instrumentation. Yeah, when that that's become you know outside of just Richard Nudd's, that's become quite a, a key part of Rattle as well. Yeah. And, and, as I see it. Uh, obviously, there's that early those early couple of releases, but, you know, when did you know that this was going to be a thing that, well, this 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 is part of what marks us as doing something different? Hmm.
1: Uh, well, when we put out To Coup To Yeah. Uh, and when the, we got the response we. Yeah, I was going to say when the response came was like, right, it was like, well, because, I mean, when we did that album, we... Look, let me tell you how that came about. We, I was producing Midge Marsden's Burning Rain. Right? right, yeah, yeah. And we had a deal with the studio. We could, we went in at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon and we could go to whenever we liked. Right. And it was a set rate for the day and we could stop and start when we wanted. And they had the early part of the day to do their commercial work and to, you know, do the business. And then they just let us in there for the rest of the day to, to kind of work on the album. Well, one morning I went in early because I wanted to meet with the guy who was doing some of the keyboard stuff with us and he was, he was um, you know, sequencing some things and he yeah. wanted me to come in and hear it. So I went in early and I was working with him but I was hearing in the main studio this music, the, these sounds that I'd never heard before and I was thinking, what is that? What the hell is that? It's fantastic. And I went and I sort of sneaked in and here was Richard and Hirtini doing the soundtrack to a film and it was just one piece and it was only going to be used at one point in the film. Yeah. It might have been a documentary, actually. I'm not sure. Um, and I got talking to Richard. I, was, I said, what are these instruments? And they're just so evocative. I mean, yeah. they're so visual. Yeah. You know, this music is, is sort of you know bringing up images for me in the way that other music has never done. And so he started telling me about them. And, and I said, look, I've just started a record company with a couple of guys and because you know, it was only like a year in. I think yeah. this was 1990... 1990, 1991, we really just got going and I said to him we're planning to do a kind of a sampler yeah, um, and would really love this piece to be on it because this really typifies an aspect of New yes. Zealand music and New Zealand culture that I hadn't heard before yeah. and that other people should hear.
0: Stopped, played on the radio and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No and no he was really yeah. he was really keen and uh, so they just gave us a copy of what they'd done that day. Yeah. And I took it to Tim and Keith and I played it to them. I said, look, we've got to put this on different tracks and we should try and get funding to do an album with these guys because it's phenomenal what they're doing. It's just beautiful stuff. Yeah. So we went back to Richard and and, and, he, and said, look, we're going to uh, apply for some funding would you be interested in doing an album? And they had already mapped out an album that they wanted to do. They were working towards it already, and, and in fact, you know, mapping is not such a uh, passing term because yeah. uh, you know, rolling out this the the map of sound yes. is basically what Takutafae means. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so they had this concept that they wanted to commit to 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 recording. So we we basically we got some funding and we set two days uh, sorry two weeks aside for them to come in and record and they said oh we're well, not going to need all that amount of time and I said to them well you never know you know yeah. I mean the studio you get going and then you come back the next day and you do other things and, and then there's the mixing and who knows you know we'll just, you know, we we'll just put the time aside and, then, yeah. and they went no we're not going to need that amount of time
0: absolutely not <laughs> we've done it in a couple of days
1: they came in well we virtually had it all done on the first day wow. I mean we came back the next morning to do a couple of retakes and by lunch that second day we were done, and we all went home, and that was the end of it. You know, <laughs> we had the album done. So um, I mean, there was a bit more for me to do later. I did sure. a bit of mixing and a bit of mastering and all that sort of thing. But to all intents and purposes, we had it all done <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Um, and it went ballistic. I mean, it went it went gold. You know, I think we sold. I mean, it still outsells. Yeah. Just about. Wow. Just about any album that we've we've done. I mean. It's, well, I think we sold about eleven or twelve thousand. Which is a lot for a little yeah. company like us. I mean yeah. our, the next best selling album was the next one we did with those. Yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. Um, Teheki Narangi, yeah. which sold about three thousand. Yeah. And the next best was um John Spear from Olympus, which sold about two and a half. Um, and then from then on you're looking at about a yeah. thousand for each album, eight hundred to a thousand for most albums until uh, 2010, when you know streaming kicked in, and then it went down to like you know yeah. 20 albums. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, so the company gets going, you have this early success, you in terms of this album, r- right around this sort of time is when you get asked to play at the Button Birds ish another year or, two or less. Or. Yeah, 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 I'd yeah.
1: been working with Don around about the time that Rattle was yeah. coming together through 89, yeah. 1991, that whole yeah. that that. Loosely that period. But it was in 92 that I had, that I kind of really decided, I had to make a decision about whether I was going to stay with the Mutton Birds or not. And it was, it was tough. I really wanted to, but I, was, I really loved what Rattle was about and yeah. I liked where that was going and I wanted to be part of that. And and I, and I knew me. I knew yeah. that within six months I'd be, I would have left the band. Do you, know. you make... The, I couldn't do that to Don. You do know? you make, yeah, do you make the decision,
0: is that when you hang up your sticks... No, more not or at less, all. or no, just no, just no, not at all.
1: Okay. No, no. I mean, I kept um, kept playing, but of course, the engineering had really taken over.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, that was what I would spent most of my time doing. Yeah. But I was still playing. You know, if anyone asked me to go and do a gig, or if, I, if there was a band going, yeah, that I was interested, and in, I'd still be playing. I'd still be recording. You know. Yeah. I mean that that kept going, right through to about two thousand and nine, which right. is that's more or less. 2010 is when I stopped playing because Rattle just got too busy, yeah. you know. Tim had gone. And do you still have gear, though?
0: Like, do you still have a tinker or not really? <laughs> I've
1: still got... Yeah, you, I, you could. I, you I
0: could. haven't touched them for a while, Right.
1: They're, they're all looking rather sad. Yeah. Um, so,
0: but you could. You've still actually got a cast oh,
1: yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Although well, I must admit, you know, Simon, I have been tempted to sort of move them on to someone who could use them, you know. Yeah. It has crossed my mind, and that's a sad thing, you
0: know. Yeah. It's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? I think about selling my kit and... Um, and then I think, oh, you know, and I don't know who would want it, but uh, you know, well, you know, I mean, someone always, you know, someone's always yeah. going to want it. It's well, my gear
1: is pretty shitty too now. Yeah, yeah, but
0: there's absolutely. always kids, you know. And yeah. I, I guess I have. I'm holding on to the idea that you know my son might want to have a bit of a bash with it. so yeah, Why? Well, why not hang on to it for that? Yeah. And, and, and Well, I don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay. So what? 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 What's the next sort of big? thing in in your life and or in the life of Rattle from there like where does it become
1: well Rattle sort of uh you know we we were all very busy you know the three of us Tim 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 Gummer Keith Hill and I I mean we were all very busy doing what we were doing in our other lives you know like Tim is a designer and 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 also he was kind of running you know progressive for a little while there and and Keith with his writing and his, um, you know, filmmaking and whatnot. So we, we had plenty yeah. to do, you know. Yeah. Um, I was out there engineering other albums and yeah, then, yeah, you know, yeah. doing what I'm doing. So Rattle was just something that we A hobby, did. like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was something we just did when something came along that we just felt really strongly about. Yeah. And, and the way it tended to work is that someone like Richard Nunn's, for example. Yeah. Have yeah, uh, a new
0: project or... Yeah,
1: like yeah. He, he got talking to Gillian Whitehead. Yeah. And Gillian had a project she wanted to do with him. And he said to her, we we should put it through Rattle because these guys are really good and they put out to Cafe and it was quite successful and you know bloody blah, blah. So we we did that in the mid-90s, I think it was, um, just after we did an album with Dan Poynton, which is yeah. a fantastic album, and was—I was going
0: to say—that'd be another
1: big. Well, Dan's album was a really big one. That yeah. was actually going to be an album we were going to do with David Guerin Yeah, right. We were, we were all set up to do uh, a album of solo piano music, and and we'd talk to David about. Yeah, about right. It. But it just didn't happen. He sort of went bosh, and 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 we we had some funding for an album of you know piano music. So uh, John suggested we yeah talk to Dan, and Dan was really keen, and he was perfect. He was right, right. Uh, you know, right in the headspace for it, he had great ideas. He had really good some um, music that he wanted to record, and he was perfect when it came to uh, marking in it. He was out there playing it all the time, and he gave really entertaining concerts. And you know, it was it was a very good thing, and it got our first you know classical album of, of of the year award. Yeah. So, you know, we were very happy with ourselves at yeah. that point. Um, and well, after that point, I mean, it was we were flying high, even though we might only do an album a year, they were albums that really mattered, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, each one, you know, yeah. s- ha- has a strong character yep. around it. Those early it had a places, real right? reason for being yeah, yeah, yeah. every single one. Yeah, I mean, They're a real it, statement. Like, you know, it's music that is, you know, it's literally music that comes from New Zealand, made by New Zealanders that New Zealand had
1: not heard, was, not, was not hearing. Yeah, that's right. yeah I mean, and although, you know, it was sort of an intention to do that, we didn't know what we would be doing. Yeah. Because, of course, you don't know until they come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we recognised them when they came along. So when Ipu came along, of course we were going to do that. And when John said he wanted to do his first album, you know, Rhythm Spike, which was the next one we did, of course we wanted to do that. And then when Jack got in touch and said, you know, I've got this album that I want to do, Absolutely, we're going to do that. Yeah. And then Richard had he wanted to do um, another one. Sure, of course, we're going to do that with them. Um, and actually, while we were recording Ipu, that was when Richard and Judy Bailey started mucking around inside the piano and working together, and they decided then that at some point they were going to do an album of improvisation, yeah. which became To Honohono, early in the two, 2003, I think we did that, which was just after Jack. Uh, so that was an album we just had to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then along came the Mason Batley Group, which I was in, and they wanted to do an album with Richard. And that was two tides, and that was, you know, we said, well, we'd do it if we can get the money for it. So we put in an application to Creative New Zealand, got the grant, bang, mm. away we go. Uh, same thing with uh, Jonathan Besser, which was the next album. That, you know, we got funding for it. I think Jonathan might have applied for that one. Um, and Keith was really interested in what Jonathan was doing. It was a project he really wanted to see happen. So yeah. it was a no brainer. We went and did that, and then View from Olympus was next, and and Tafio happened because, of course, we had all these guys around the country who loved the album Tafio. And I think it was Tim's idea. Tim, Tim, and Chris Macro thought. Why don't we do an album where we give the original files to these um, yeah, yeah. downbeat people and see what they can do with it? So yeah, another great idea. Yeah, and another great album came out of it. A really fantastic album, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, and then Michael Houston wanted to do something. And I mean, you, you see how it goes. <laughs> no, no. Well, I love, I love your
0: recall because for this because I'm just sitting here going. I mean, I know a lot of these albums. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of these albums, but um, I, I'm also just going. Man, this is such a great. Roll call of, mm. I would think important contemporary New Zealand composers first yeah. and foremost, and, and players. Yes, you know, yes. and it's just such a you know Jack Body, John Southas, Michael
1: Houston, trio who yeah. were next. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. I know, yeah, I know. It was a rich twenty years. Those first twenty years, yeah. twenty albums in twenty years. I mean, virtually an album a year. But but they kept us busy, believe it or not. Yeah, Because yeah. I mean, you know,
0: and. And um, kind of, I would I would say almost objectively, not a not a dud release because you no. know they're all important. Yeah, as I say, all, these are all important things to be adding adding to the conversation. You know, a- absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I
1: mean, look, we could have gone on that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, Keith and I had. For some time we'd been thinking it would be it would be great for Rattle to become a little bit more proactive. Yeah. And to do more, to get involved with more artists and, and maybe to get involved with more emerging artists and not just established um high flyers like we yeah, have worked yeah, yeah. with. But maybe maybe and also we really wanted to try and help shape what was happening with New Zealand jazz. Which I was, was
0: just gonna that's it, what I was gonna get to. I was gonna say jazz obviously, you know, there's in those early releases, there isn't
1: really the jazz. The jazz cut sort of seeps in, right? Like, and yet ironically, when we began, the whole influence was ECM jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. ECM was our model. Well, and that's, that's where we
0: were going to go. ECM jazz know? is a different kind of you know, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, it's not just jazz, isn't no, it's, it? like, not, it's a different right. kind of jazz. So <laughs> there's you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, right. But so, it surprised me actually that yeah. Rattle became the home of a lot of classical or sort of contemporary classical yeah because i i never envisaged that yeah right you know i mean i didn't i don't know what i envisaged except that you see him more kind of a but you know. you're
0: an outsider essentially you're an outsider label yeah. and uh, classical you know is an outsider genre in the sense that it's not you know like <laughs> yeah. it, it yeah. isn't it contemporary classical particularly as yeah. a you know you go to a recital and it's you often well attended but you know, it's a niche market. So yeah, it's yeah. outside uh, of yep. music in a sense. It is, yeah. it is. You're
1: yeah, quite right. Yeah. yeah, so no,
0: so right. that's I can see how it's not really such strange bedfellows, but I can no. see what you're saying too. It wasn't sort of part of the doctrine to
1: begin yeah. with. but Well, it's also a form of music that I hadn't really had much Yeah, yeah. To yeah. personally. Yeah. So Rattle has become a real learning curve yeah. for me. Yeah, so I was going to say, what's yeah.
0: your, um, you know, your, your appreciation and your knowledge? Obviously, that's a... A uh, 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 swift.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just you know, started listening to a, Well, I mean, I had, I had, I was very familiar with people like Steve Rush. and yeah, uh, right well through again through ECM. And yes, I've been exposed to you know Arvo yeah. Pitt and all yeah. this other stuff. So I was, sort of I was, slightly I was, left field. Yeah, and, and very contemporary. You know, I, like, I was yeah, finding yeah. my way in there, but in yeah. a very kind slightly
0: avant garde.
1: Yeah, yeah, those sorts of yeah. But with uh, you know working with people like John Strathouse, for example, yeah. well, um, you know, I got to hear about a lot of other music and became a yeah. more exposed to music that I, you know, that hitherto had hadn't sort of, you know, come across and artists that I didn't know about.
0: We're leaping yeah. forward here, but uh, so you could have never imagined, for example, releasing a 14-CD collection of Beethoven, <laughs> you know. Which, well, not, not well, back might, then. Yeah, no. yeah, that's what I mean. in the early, <laughs>
1: that's not. <laughs> no. Yeah. Although, you know, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have stopped I mean you know, yeah, we, yeah. we wouldn't have been daunted yeah in yeah. fact you know we were well I was going to say we probably would have been we probably would have gone into that um, uh, much more naively and all things flying <laughs> yeah. back in the day yeah as it was I mean when we decided to do the Beethoven we did it with uh, a kind of an abandon yes we just went we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has to happen. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I have to say uh, that's, you know, for all my faults, that's me. You know, if, I mean, I just, um, if, I, if, if I want something to happen, I'll go for it. Yeah. And I'll find a way of making it happen. Yeah. You know, and I don't care, you know. I've got such disrespect for money. Yeah. I mean I really do. And <laughs> yeah. it's just there to be got. Yeah. And if you don't get it, well, you don't need it. You can do it other ways. Yeah. And that's true, you know. I mean, you money should never stop you in my yeah, yeah. view, you know. And yeah. it certainly never stopped me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean look, just this is a bit of a leap ahead, but Victoria University was an opportunity for Rattle to get the kind of support that we had long wanted. Yeah. Um but you know, um, Nothing really changed, except yeah. that, yes, they they paid the bills for a while, and that was great. And I had a wee bit of a salary, you yeah. know, nothing much. Yeah. Less than I was earning as an engineer, but at least I didn't have to think about money for those yeah, two yeah. years, you know. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about money again because I have to, you know. But so, uh, but, but but really, again, nothing has changed. Yeah. I mean, we're still doing what we did before Victoria University came along. And yeah. during that time we were with them, we still did what we always did. You know. So...
0: Let's let's go back to where the jazz kind of starts to yeah. hit. What what you know? Obviously, Jonathan Crayford, Who else? What is... Jonathan was later. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we. So we I'm, I'm sorry. What what was earlier than that? Like, what, yeah. Well, yeah. we
1: started basically with Ron Samson. Yeah. And those guys, um, Kim Field, Ollie Holland. They they had known that they wanted to do yeah. Um, and which I. You know, recorded. It was just something that they wanted to do, and I just thought, you know, this could be the start of something. You know, we've been thinking about yeah. trying to get a jazz stream happening yeah. at Rattle, but we 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 hadn't really found a way into it. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, we'd had a few um, attempts at it. There yeah. was one album that we were going to do, which was called, if I can remember, Composure. Yeah. And it was a whole lot of different artists. You know. Um, yeah. Wellington guys as well as Auckland guys, and it was all recorded at Radio New Zealand. It was the last recording session at Radio New Zealand, believe it or not, in a studio two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, down by the Beehive there, and um, but the album never saw the light of day, and I'm not quite sure why, to tell you the truth. It was a project that Tim did, you know. It was one that he was he was sort of, you know, driving along, but and to all intent and purposes, it was going to be a rattle release, but it never happened. Yeah. So we'd we'd had a couple of uh skirmishes or or you know not skirmishes but you know we'd, we'd sort of knocked up against jazz over the years but yeah hadn't quite found a way to do it but when ron came along uh with that album it just seemed like that we, it just felt like the right album and the right opportunity to set up a jazz uh stream on rattle so that's what we did and uh, tim was basically leaving at that point and so it kind of became my baby in a sense um yeah kind of reluctantly, but, you know, I did want to see jazz get established on Rattle, so um, I was just a bit nervous about taking responsibility for it. Really. Yeah. But we did it, and um, and very soon after, we did that trio album with Roger Mannins and Ruben and Mostyn Cole, and what, still one of my favourite yeah. of the whole series. Um, and then one thing led to another. Other people got in touch and said they, you know, had, you know, projects that they wanted to do, and... Um, by this time, this is 2010, 2011. And this is where
0: you get really busy. We in get really busy. Way.
1: You you do, like... 24 albums in yeah, one year. Yeah, I just to say, 20 times the releases. Yeah, 2011 was a major, major turning point. Yeah. And, and that was the year that Keith left. Right. And uh, that was the year when... Uh, well, 2010, after Tim had left, and, you know, Tim was managing the company up to that point. Yeah. He left and Keith and I got involved in the managerial side of things and we looked at the state of the company and we realised that we were in a pretty poor condition and, in fact, we were fundamentally insolvent and we had to do something about it. Right. Know? So we virtually revamped everything. Yeah. And, um And it kind of cost Keith and I our friendship, to tell you the truth. It was a tough year and I was struggling and... He was struggling too, I think, but he couldn't show it, and uh, yeah, and we ended up sort of at each other's throat, and, and, it's J- and John was involved too at that time too, right?
0: And it's not a good time to be pumping CDs out into the world.
1: Well, two thousand and ten, well, not too bad, but two thousand and ten, we put out six albums, which was a lot. I yeah. mean, it was still yeah. five albums more than we. But I mean, before. it's starting to
0: really, <laughs> you know, people are really we're co- getting we're cottoned gonna... on to you know everyone's kind of started to cotton on to the fact that they don't need to. Buy a CD and put it in their player that they can find music in other <laughs> yeah, ways, right? Well, like,
1: that just seemed that
0: coincided with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Streaming
1: yeah. started to come in around about that time, yeah. Too, so, or well, was getting more of a foothold. That's yet, what so I mean, like,
0: e- yeah, even the sort of mildly technophobic uh, uh, working out or having someone work out for them how they can find yeah. and listen to stuff, yeah. Yes, that's right. But, you know, one of the things that Rattle continues to do with its releases is, is you know, provide the stuff that any purist or apologist or crazy person or whatever the term is for us, um, <laughs> you know, seeks, which is yeah. this this actual quality yeah, for music's sake. Yeah, and yeah. and, and, and liner notes and uh, yeah. information that's in a, you know, y- again, yes, you can find whatever information you want about a release online if yeah. you yeah. want to, yeah. but... But being packaged up as the thing that you are sold. Yeah, yeah. Being given to you as this is the artwork. This is the this little package is a little world for you to enjoy. You put the disc in, and you sit back and you look at the liner notes and and maybe not a lot of people have got time or inclination to do that. But there are those still out there, right? uh, Yeah, I look that that had been my vision for it right from the beginning. Yeah, but but I think. But again, you haven't really compromised that. Like I know there's no, you
1: know, know, you've got. In fact, we've amped it up. Yeah, you've got a digital element
0: too. Like people can just
1: buy. The music as a download oh, yes you, you know, and all of that. And but, but of course, there's a PDF. Yeah, you know, a digital yeah, yeah, PDF, yeah. Which has got all the booklet information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I, I think during those first twenty years, the albums were fairly light on, on information. Yeah. Uh, and that was like a collective decision. But my gut feeling, my preference was always to, to go the extra mile yeah. and to provide information. And it was it was actually William Dart. Um, said to me one time, You know, you really ought to provide more than you do. Right. I mean, it's, I think he was talking about the view from Olympus. And he was saying, Yes, pretty pictures, very nice, but yeah. we need some information. Need some context. And I thought about that at the time and I thought, You know, he's, he's damn right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I had known it all along and I knew that we had slipped into this kind of minimalism, um, uh, which was partly, you know, my aesthetic to some degree, but it was mostly, you know, Tim's. And I and I did like it, but I knew that we really ought to be much more fulsome in what yeah. we did, you know. So you know, uh, when Keith and I started working together on on the projects, it was you know my my aspiration was to really pick pick that up more and and provide more information and to also improve the packaging, improve the artwork, you know, really make make a a a, a distinct uh, or or to or to tr- try to develop a very distinct visual ethos. Yeah, you know, yeah. That was, that became even more important for me than it had had been. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it was too much for Keith, and he wanted to get on with his own thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, he had been wanting to get out and do his own thing for ten years, and, and when I took over, pretty much, from Tim, it gave him the opportunity, I think, to sort of move yeah. on. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he did, and uh, which was tough on me because... It was one thing I never wanted, was to was to be the sole operator of the yeah. battle, you know. Yeah, yeah. I sort of resisted it for quite some years. And yeah. It, but it finally hit, and there I was. And um, it just happened to coincide with Victoria University's, uh, um, the end of their, what do you call it, their sort of research output yeah. cycle. Yeah. Every five or six years they have this thing. and and so all the um composers and, and you know writers they were all publishing stuff and so um dave lissick and various other people at uh, Victoria university were looking to rattle as a way of yeah publishing all of this content you know yeah. and for rattle it was a godsend yeah because even though it meant i was extremely busy <laughs> yeah putting out one album every two weeks yeah. I and mean, it was just a nightmare yeah. But I got but, stuck in. But again, it's... I worked my ass off. But again, it, it's yeah. quality stuff, and it's another whole
0: tear, or, tear, I guess, of, you know, these, you know, uh, contemporary composers and, and, and players that, uh, you know, they, a lot of them aren't household names. Some no, of them are, no. but uh, more of them should be, you know, and, yeah, you, and then yeah. you get into the things like Norman Mairn's stuff with Bill Mannhire, the yeah. sort of intertextuality release DVDs. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get, uh, you know, it's Jonathan know. Crayford and Mike Nock and sort of yeah. players of that caliber yeah. releasing stuff through Radical and know. you know, just a, just this whole new wave of, you know, that's very pan generational too, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. wealth of material that, come, that yeah, comes from people who have just just started, basically the first album out, yeah, and, and then people you know, like Mike Nock, who's done a hundred records, you know, true. like that's right. At last but count. you know,
1: I have to say that you know, like one of the things that really um, helped was that we. We needed to get solvent. Yeah, and all of these albums coming down in that one year, 2011. Not all, but a lot of them came with budgets. Yeah, because the university was behind them. Yeah. So we were getting these albums, and we were getting these budgets that not only enabled us to put those albums out, but there was there was uh, money built into these yeah. projects yeah. that would help with the, you know administration and help you know pay me something. Yeah. And, and would help us clear some of our debt too, yeah. you know. So whether those albums eventually went on to be commercially successful or not wasn't important at the time. The important thing was that they were helping to dig us out of that little hole that we were in um, in 2010. And that's one of the reasons why we did put out so much was because it just gave us this wealth of content um, so we had all this stuff in the, on, you know, like in the marketplace, and we had the budgets coming in to help support the work we were doing. So it was a very important time. Yeah, and and basically, as a result of all that work I did, I mean, Victoria University thought, well, look, you know, perhaps we could be much more involved with these guys and give them better support. Um, and it was a, you know, when they did get in touch with me in two thousand and twelve after that flurry of work. You know, yeah. and they said, look. You know, would you be interested in sort of working more closely with us? So it, it just made yeah. perfect sense to me because they had been involved in so much of what we were doing, not only the year before but ten years before. I mean, yeah. they've been they've been in there supporting people like John and you know various other yeah, yeah, yeah. artists over many years. And Rattle would always go to them from time to time if we needed extra support, and they didn't always help, but they were often willing. Yeah. So it just seemed like. You know, it just was a no-brainer. It made sense. When they suggested that maybe they own the company, yeah, uh, I had to think about that a bit because that was something else again. But, you know, again, it seemed to make sense. Yeah. They would pay me to basically run it and they would give me the support I needed. Yeah. So I sort of figured, look, look, this is worth a punt. Now, yeah. not everybody agreed. I mean, some of our artists were very worried Right. about yeah. what this might mean. And I couldn't see it. I couldn't see how it could be at all problematic because I trusted these guys and I knew their heart and, was in the right place. And they and trusted you. They trusted to, me. Yeah. And, and it wasn't as if we didn't have a
0: relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. This wasn't thrown together overnight.
1: Yeah. But interestingly, the people who were most concerned were people who were university people. Right. <laughs> and they sort of tried to tell me that I should be careful, but I, I couldn't see it because, of course, you know, why... Why would I? Everything up to that point had been so strong, and and the stewardship they offered was just what we were looking for.
0: You yeah, know?
1: yeah. Uh, and the resources that I believe we would have access to were just the resources we needed. And I don't mean money to pay for things. Yeah, yeah. But I mean you know assistance with marketing and yeah. audience development and online activity and all that kind of thing. But unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Within a year, uh, that all went south and um, they were basically demanding that I did things like shut down the Rattle website and uh, migrate everything across to the bookshop website, you know, uh, Victoria University Press, which I I hated that site and I hated being involved with it. Just, you know, even though Fergus is a good guy and he was helping to manage, you know, Rattle at that time and he was doing what he could. Yeah. I mean, his focus was books, and yeah. um, and he and everyone else that was involved, uh, apart from the people on the advisory board that was set up at that time, who were involved in the industry like Roger Marbeck and yeah, yeah. Peter Walls and um, uh, you know various other people on the on the uh, on the advisory board who could see that losing the website was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> um, the university basically. Had made their mind. So up, you're up, an outsider, up. and there you are. You're in with a whole
0: lot of insiders. So yeah, it was a strange you know, thing. Like, and learning a whole new language. Yeah.
1: These guys speak. Uh, uh, yeah, they they, their, they use, their own
0: form of a bureaucratic.
1: Well, they use words that are interchangeable. They yeah. they use words that could mean anything, depending on the context. <laughs> yeah, you know, like one of the one thing that happened um, once Neil Quigley left and the new uh, senior management team came in is that rattle was shifted. Away from what they called uh, uh, research outputs, which was basically so long as we were publishing work that had relevance to the university, there was no commercial imperative you know? yeah but we were shifted from um, research to engagement and no one knew what that meant yeah yeah um, what it meant was making money yeah yeah uh, and because rattle never made money, we immediately became, simply by being rebranded yes. or being put into a different box, yeah. we suddenly had no value to them. Yeah. And it was something that they did to themselves and that they did to Rattle. That they didn't need to do, but they did, and that was that. So it's a, it, To me, it's a neoliberal mentality. Yeah. And it just reshaped everything to suit whatever ends the senior management had at that time. Yeah. And it meant that Rattle no longer had value or a place. So, so where does that relationship fall apart Fall over. Very soon after the yeah, new, yeah. the new team came in, I mean, uh, we were with them a total of thirty three months. Right. Yeah. Uh, the first six months were sort of easy. Yeah. Next six months were awkward because they wanted to shut down the website, and I suddenly began to wonder what was going on. Then Neil left, and the new guys came in, and everyone was nervous, and the tension was high, and I couldn't get access to anything or anybody. Yeah. Um, all I could do was just put out albums, and they would pay for it, and I didn't feel good about that. And I kept on saying things like, look, we should put out less and maybe we could use the, f- the resources for things that will help build the company, you know. But the focus just wasn't there and the vision wasn't there and uh, it, I, I just didn't seem to be able to get any traction. So anyway, May 2015, yeah. which was exactly two years after we joined the university, the new senior management team called for a review of Rattle and that's when it was evident that the right the writing was on the wall, wall. Yeah. but the response to the review the submissions we got was so good from so many people i thought what would probably happen is that they would give us another year or two yeah and try to build rattle which could have been a nightmare it could have been punishment for me yeah i mean it really could have been bad but i thought that that's what we would do yeah um, but they decided just to uh, to use their parlance, divest themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the label. So we were divested.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so where are things at now?
1: You're, you're back to being... Uh, back to being a one A bit hand. of a lone wolf. Yeah, a funding-dependent funding art yeah. uh, music entity. Well, well, you know,
0: look. It hasn't slowed down your... Um, well, probably has slowed down slightly, but it hasn't slowed down your... Um,
1: Quality
0: releases. It hasn't affected that.
1: It did affect me. uh, You know, at the end of 2015, after a lot of scrapping and negotiating, I managed to get rattle back. They gave me the label, which isn't worth anything anyway. In a sense, it's just a name. They gave me the intellectual property back, which did have a value. So they gave me that, which was good of them. They could have put a price on it. Yeah. They weren't going to give me the assets, which right. were the stock and the plant, which was all the recording equipment, everything that I need to actually make a living. They were going yeah. to keep.
0: Yeah.
1: But we did. We came to an agreement, um, and I eventually got it all back. Yeah. Um, cost me a little bit, but that's okay. I mean, I was able to get it back. It's.
0: Yeah. You mean, know, you, you're saying that money is <coughs> almost neither here nor there to you. It's something that you know you you, you need it to. Yeah. you know to create these things, but like, what you've got back is, I mean, this is your life's work. Yes, it is, you know, yeah. And it's like, I've always thought, I mean, this is the first time we've met. Yes. Um, we've, we've, we've done some emails and stuff, but this is the first time we've met. But, it, you know, I've, 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 I've said this about you before, but it strikes me that you're, I mean, I can't call you a tastemaker. It's almost the inverse of that. Because yeah. that's your decision to not follow trends, which I think is why I Rattle, A, has a value to me and to whoever's yep. into it. But, you know, you've almost set yourself up at well, all these different things that you do, like producer, engineer, you know, label, musician, yep. rah,
1: rah, rah. Yep. but you've, you're a curator. Absolutely. That's, you know... If, I mean, again, I'm really pleased to hear a, you say that because I, that's something I don't often say. Yeah, yeah. But actually, that's, that's what I believe Rattle is all about. Yes, and, 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 it, and, and
0: Rattle, to me, is you hugely and it's you know obviously it's the sum of all these great artists and stuff but it's you that's found them gone to them received them like you know yeah be, been the ear that's listened to them when they've been rejected by whoever else or or didn't think that they could go to anyone else yeah so yeah. whatever it is yeah you're the person
1: that's well i'm providing them with with <laughs> yeah you know an empathetic platform yeah that's you exactly know, it. That's, so you're, that's what it is so yeah. and, and and i don't think there's a you
0: know uh, there are some releases I've enjoyed more than others as is always the way with, with music yeah, yeah. but I, I'm i still hard <laughs> some pressed some are very tough <laughs> some of them are a tough listen but I'm hard and I like that some of the yeah. tough listens are the best but I, I'm still hard pressed to think of something that I would call a failure a failure <laughs> on, you know on on artistic sort of merit, you know. There are like, a couple of albums I'm, I'm sure there are. are, I, I, are I, there I, one, I was gonna I, say, are there are ones that you maybe wish you had done or whatever. You yeah, know, there are like, a couple yeah, now, yeah,
1: in hindsight, but then you know, you have to understand that in 2011 particularly, yeah, I had a lot of things on my mind, yeah. and first and foremost was keeping Rattle afloat, yeah, you know, actually trying to build the company back yeah. up so that it it could continue, yeah, and so you know, it's quite possible that I, uh, you know, got behind uh, one or two albums that under normal circumstances maybe we yeah. wouldn't have supported. I mean, uh, you know, I think that would be fair to say. But where the person who unleashes Crazy Frog on the world can not
0: only <laughs> sleep at night but sleeps on a you know bed of fucking golden feathers, <laughs> you, you know, know, you shouldn't
1: feel too bad about no, making
0: one or, two, one or two records that you might not have done again. You yeah, know, I don't. And <laughs>
1: in fact, I, I, you know, like if I was asked, I don't think there's any album... Uh, yeah. That I've agreed to put out that uh, I regret putting out yeah. at all. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, think a, I, I would stand by virtually. What a solid statement that, that, that is, right? Yeah. Like, no, have, I'm. I'm you, know? you know, I'm very. Look, the 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 albums that some people haven't liked. You know, the albums that maybe were up a step too far. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they are a step too far is the reason why I put it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, In Inbal. And uh, Jorge uh, Sosa and and Dave Lissick did an album called um, uh, in in Vinium VM, which yeah. I think I don't know if anyone anyone likes that album. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it, it didn't do too well. Right. and And uh, Dave Lissick's um, Ensaladas didn't do too well. And his Rail 16 and his Donated by um, Oh What Is It uh, Donated by um, Candle Fitzgerald, yep. I mean, those albums are tough listeners yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. not albums that very many people warm to. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. people that sort of uh, pride themselves at having very adventurous tastes, yes. they, they struggle with yeah. those albums. But for me, I mean, look, I just loved what those albums were about well, and what it's, they were you know, doing, it's like, you, know?
0: you, you put those records on and they do, they, they do what they do in, in the same way that, you know, you don't go and see the Kronos Quartet and expect them to play, you know, yeah, when you wish upon a star, or if if (laughs) they do, they're going to mangle it (laughs) intentionally, right? And so that sort of stuff has to
1: exist in in this world. Look, you know, the one concession that I would make towards the people that might criticise some of those albums is that uh, maybe they're a little bit too, um, what's the word, Um, esoteric, or maybe they're a little bit too uh, borderline indulgent. but not even that well maybe maybe you know know, kind of I mean I'm thinking um, cerebral yeah maybe maybe a little too you know highly conceived that's one of the things is people strike out at that stuff
0: because they're challenged by it they don't understand it so they go it must be no good because I didn't get it and I listened to lots of music and I you know people say this sort of stuff right I listened to lots of music and I didn't get you know
1: yeah well look I mean every time uh, an album was presented to me I had to sit down and spend some time with it of course and you know, for me, every one of those albums, I found my way into in a way that tickled yep. me in some way. And that's I nice. mean, actually, there's a lot more humour yeah. in those albums than meets the eye. Yep. Dave Lissick's um, uh, Rail Sixteen is a is a is a hoot. Yeah. I mean, I I, I get a lot well, of chuckles again, out of that. Well, again, that's like that.
0: You know, <laughs> it's like the Kronos Quartet. That there's a lot of humour in what they Absolutely. you know what yeah. they do. You know, it's just that you've got to dig for it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it's all relative, like to the to the person's experience. You know, I. I always think about my first job at a music store and I just kind of discovered Tom Waits and so that was a wonderful wow, thing. You know, like plan. outside of the store a maid had played me one of his records so now I had the, you know, the keys to the, you know, candy yeah. store so I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm going through the drawers and finding all these Tom Waits albums and working out which ones can play yeah. on the shop stereo and obviously Small Change is a great one to play <laughs> so I play that and, and a woman comes up and says hey, this is great, I really like this, what is this? So I do my you know, 20-year-old speech about how great Tom Waits is, because I've just discovered him. And she goes, oh, yeah, I'll buy it. And it was 10 bucks or whatever. And she storms back in the next day and says, you know, I took this home and I didn't like it. And I said, oh, well, that's that's fine. You can. And she goes, well, I'm actually just really annoyed with you because you made him sound like he was a big deal. And I I, uh, spoke to my husband, who's a musician who's been playing for several years, and he had never heard of him. You know, and that was her. And we obviously still exchanged the CD, but I I just thought how funny that was. I mean, who the fuck was this guy? And what does it matter whether he knew who Tom Waits was or (laughs) not? You know, like, she was holding that against me like I'd swindled her. So I gave her 10 bucks out of the till and off she went, you know. But it's just, you know, you either have have and make the time to sit down with a Tom Waits record or a Mike Knock record or whatever the fuck it is, or you don't. Like, if you want to drift through life with and I'm not I'm not saying this to be smug, but if you wanna drift through life with Coldplay and whatever else is your soundtrack, that's totally fine. Like right? it's that's well, look, up to you. But you can't you can't bring that value to the sort of art music that mm. you and I have been talking about for the last hour. No. You know, like it's a comp- in that sense it's a completely they are separate. They're well, almost I tell completely you, one, one separate. Of,
1: one of the key um, experiences for me uh, growing up was... Around about the time, maybe 17, 18 years old, I was in Christchurch, you know, yeah. at, at that time, yeah. and someone gave me a record voucher, or um, enough for two records. It might, it might have been 25 dollars yeah. or something, in, in, in those days, so I went into a boutique record shop uh, that had a lot of stuff in there that I that was much more adventurous. A lot of jazz, a lot of classical, you know, and I took my little voucher in and I said, um, "Look, I want two albums that uh, by artists that I haven't." experience before i I want to get some value out of this uh you know gift yeah rather than just buying something that i know you know i I want to i want to try something and he said so what do you listen to and at that time i was listening to weather report Right. so i say well i've been listening to weather report you know wayne shorter and 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 those guys and he goes ah okay well i've got two albums for you he said you should now he said are you familiar with miles davis I said, oh, not really. I haven't. I've never owned one of his albums. I know who you mean, but you know, I did not yeah. really know about Miles Davis. So he, uh, uh, Water Babies had just come out, right? Yeah. About about a year. Yeah, yeah. He said, get this. So I got Water Babies, and it was a it was a compilation actually yeah, of yeah. outtakes or, or stuff that hadn't been released from that late 60s period yeah, yeah. Know, and a little bit that's of. It's when he was just
0: entering his retirement kind of thing right to keep his name out there yeah, and that's keep, right.
1: the, keep the checks in anyway so I took that and I also got Zena by Keith Jarrett who I'd never heard of and he said Keith Jarrett worked with Miles Davis yeah. and, he, and there's a lineage here yeah, between yeah, yeah. Wayne Shorter and Joe Zawinul and yeah. Miles and Keith they're yeah. all from the same but he said they're doing things very different to each other so take these and have a listen to them and come in and tell me what you think so I got those two albums and I hated both of them <laughs> I didn't I yeah. had no points of reference for them yeah really. yeah yeah I mean, I've been listening to Weather Report, Yeah,
0: you know? yeah, and yeah. Miles was just like, oh, shit, this, is, well, water baby, this I was just, is... I was laughing when you said that. I, I love that Water Baby album. It's, it's but, you still know,
1: my favourite album. Right.
0: You know? I plant But every, I couldn't imagine <laughs> anyone being turned on. Well, I could now, maybe, but I was going Then you couldn't imagine anyone being turned on to Miles Davis through that particular so we're no. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. It's become my Christmas album. Every yeah. Christmas I put it on. Yeah, you know, it's the right. first thing I listen to every yeah. Christmas day. And Arborzena, I got to know eventually... Yeah, and I got to love it, and then I sort of fell out with it a little bit. I began yeah. to think, oh, oh it's, maybe it's not that great after all. But yeah. but it gave me a it gave me a a, a sort of a a, a a the keys to a door. Yeah. Both those albums yeah. did, and they have both become part of my. Um, Musical soundscape, yeah, you know, library that, of references, that like thing that you carry around, and this with is it, it you
0: know? too. Like, when you're doing things like you know what you do, and, and I guess what I do, it's like not every musical experience needs to be like a eureka, man, this is the best record ever. No. It's quite rewarding to be challenged by things, and it's quite rewarding to be initially turned off because well, that was you, the need, whole, you need those references, that was the right? whole
1: you, yeah. value, yeah. Of not taking those albums back. Yeah, putting them on, learn to live with them. them. Learn to live with them, and, I, and, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I persevered, and they have become central. to... Yeah. well, they, they basically informed yeah. Rattle in a funny sort of way.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I was yeah. going to say, you know, when you mentioned the Keith Jarrett, I'm like, oh, well, there's a also a link to the ECM, yeah. you know you know, label and style, and you well, know,
1: well, well, soon after I
0: heard the Cone concert. Yeah. yeah. And then I was off. I mean that's you I know. was just gonna reference that, I was gonna say, I mean yeah. that's you know, someone asked me the other day, Oh, do you like Keith Jarrett? Which is a funny question. It's not really one that I imagine gets asked all that often these days. Yeah. And I said, Yeah, I do. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you that I've listened to I mean I I don't know who's listened to everything that guy's done. Yeah. but I've liked more than I've not liked. Dan Poynton. Yeah, you're right. I John believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> maybe Jonathan Craven even. But, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe, I, yeah. I most of the things I've heard by Keith Jarrett I've found a way into, and, yeah. and there are a handful or more of things I really love. Yeah, and there's yeah. probably at least a handful of records out there I haven't heard that oh, I yeah. probably should because yeah. he has done so much great stuff. But, you know, yes, of course I like him. Of yeah. course I think he's you know, yeah. great. But I can totally see how, particularly with how much he's done, I can totally see how that's a name now that just, people would just go, oh, I just don't have time to get to that like that, so I'm just going to leave that. And, sorry, and that's fine as well, you know? Like, yeah, I sometimes think about, you know, I had, an, I had an iPod 12, nearly 15 years ago that had 100 Miles Davis albums on it. Right. You know? And that lived with me for, <laughs> for years. And I listened to a lot Gosh. of it, and it got stolen. And it was kind of it was kind of lame when it got stolen. It had lots of other albums by lots of other artists I cared about a lot, but it was kind of like this weird, almost already very old-fashioned reference library I had yeah, yeah. to all these things that were very formative to me, you know, when I was 19, yeah. 20, 21, and I just wanted to have them in my pocket. Like, I just wanted to... Yeah, yeah. And of course I could still go and get them, and, yeah. and I've gone and, you know, collected a lot of the key bits of them on vinyl and will continue to, yeah. and all of that. But, you know... Yeah, if you don't have time for that, and it's not what you're about, that's totally fine. But, you know, I don't actually think music is as
1: snobby as people think it is, you know, I think. Well, look, this is, this raises a really interesting point. You know, like, uh, <laughs> Ruben and I, uh, we, he came up a few months ago yeah. to... to finish off the album yeah you know, shark shark Reactions. Yeah, yeah. and um, which he's just launched which, he's which just I just haven't listened to yet
0: but it's, you? It's, I've got it you know, I've got it from your side it's yeah life.
1: I think you'll enjoy it well, I'm looking forward to it anyway we, we uh, that night after we'd you know finished it we had dinner and we were having some wine we were yeah. just chatting like this and, and um, he uh, you know we were both talking about how um, jazz it sort of has a bad name yeah at least it was sort of in New Zealand, it oh. So It's very hard yeah, to sell it. Yeah. Like when 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 Rattle started the jazz series, uh, um, Graham Reid said to me, "Oh, I think it's great what yeah. you're doing. That you're going to do something that's going to support in you know, the New Zealand jazz, and yeah. you know you guys are the people to do it. But whatever you do, don't put jazz on the cover." Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Which yeah, was yeah. the very thing we did. Yeah, <laughs> and we did it because I thought, no fuck it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know yeah, w- yeah. what we're about is we're. Sp- we're specifically saying, yeah. this is New Zealand jazz." Keep
0: away if you don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah, of thing. Yeah.
1: But well, but which is what come people, in if you do or you think <laughs> you might. That's what people exactly. have done. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, he, he was right. But, you know, yeah. we, if you call it jazz, you're going to oh, ostracise yeah, people immediately. Totally. Really. And what gets me about this is, um, well, you know, I'll tell you the first story, which was that Ruben and I decided that we weren't going to have jazz on the cover. And that night, when Ruben and I were talking about how we're not going to put jazz on his album cover, I decided I'm gonna take jazz off all of our rattle jazz from now on. Just not gonna have it there. We don't need it. Because it's already established. People know it, you know. So if it's not there they won't notice it. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the jazz has been fading out over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, now you mentioned lighter. it, I, I can recall in my, you know, in my mind
0: the, the earlier covers that I can see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, people like Dave Lissick would say yeah. to me, I don't want to go out on rattle jazz, even yeah. though it's a jazz album, he yeah. said, because I don't want to be ghettoised. Yeah, I don't yeah. want us to be yeah. put in a jazz box. I, I, I'm aware that this happens and I
0: think, again, it's that thing of people just feeling like they aren't getting something or
1: don't understand it. Well, look, there are a couple of things that I really feel strongly about in relation to jazz. And one is that there's a real deep deep, deep misunderstanding yeah. about jazz. And it and it's perpetuated by a lot of people in the media. I mean, you know, Simon Morris, bless him. Yeah. He and he and um, Phil O'Brien on the yeah, show, yeah. They, every year they give jazz stick. Yeah. And they needn't, you know, because yeah. they love blues and it's yeah. basically a derivative of that. And yeah. the one thing that people just miss with jazz, they they think I think because, you know, jazz is responsible, for, admittedly, for, um, you know, a fair share of noodling. and, yeah. and there's po-faced... a bit of stroking both on the stage and off. Yeah, and, you know, like, sure. So, we understand Some that. people yeah, can yeah, take yeah. it too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, you get past that very quickly. Oh, the, totally. the thing about jazz that people actually don't get, I don't think, enough, is that it's fundamentally a joyful medium. Yes. It's fundamentally life-affirming. And, you know... Just about all the jazz I know and love and and think of when I think of jazz, from Keith Jarrett to Miles Davis to Weather Report, you name it. I mean, the stuff, anything. I mean, virtually everything that Rattle has put out um, jazz-wise, I believe, is wholly life-affirming and wholly wholly joyful. You know, every single album, I have to hold myself back from using those terms. Because when I think of shark variations, I think of joy. When I listen to that music, I think these guys are just having fun. You get the conversation that's happening between the instruments and the
0: musicians and jazz, and and, and, and I used to think that you needed to go and see it live for that, and, and that is a great way for, a, say, a beginner, a person who's a bit scared of jazz or hasn't experienced it that's a great way for them to see that but yes. you get it on the albums oh absolutely I realised I recognised that I was getting that on the albums I, mean, I was just, just listening to you talk about it I, I feel very much the same way as you and I, I was going to say and you're probably the same the single thing I hate the most about people who decide they don't like jazz or want to put down jazz is to call it boring because it's never, I mean, there are some examples of it, but you know what I mean? Overall, it's never fucking boring. Like, there are so many genres that are far more boring than jazz. I I
1: remember, you know, one afternoon I was, I was, you know, out sort of driving in town. One, it was a Friday afternoon or something and you know, um, Jim, more and yeah. the panel was on yeah, yeah, yeah. and Rosemary Rosemary McLeod was on. Yeah. And somehow, somewhere along the line, jazz came up. We were talking about some album and yeah. she just went, Oh, jazz, boring. It's the most nonsensical music in the world. It's just absolute crap. I don't know why why people listen to this rubbish. She went on and on and on. And I'm thinking, now Rosemary, you're a very intelligent woman. Yeah, you're yeah. a very, you know, cultured yeah. you know, cultured person. I'm thinking, why do you do this? Okay, you don't get it. I can accept that. But what gives you the right or the platform yeah, yeah. to be so dismissive of something that you don't understand? That you haven't invested much time in, yeah, yeah. And, well, and, no. I, and I thought to myself, if we were talking about chamber music here, yeah. if we were talking about a string quartet, you would not say this, because string quartet music and piano trio music, and yeah. it's protected by yeah. the culture. And someone like Rosemary McLeod can't come along and say that, because she would make herself look... In her mild defence, I would imagine, mm-hmm.
0: she's probably had her husband blasting the most obscure jazz 78s at <laughs> her. Well, who Maybe knows? it's that, you know, maybe it's, also, it's actually no,
1: an overexposure. But, no, but the point is that I make...
0: <laughs> no, her... he loves country music, so I don't know. But the point is that she feels she has yes. the liberty, yeah, 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 yeah. the
1: cultural liberty to go out and diss something because yes. it's okay to diss jazz. Yeah, yeah, And that really bugs me, you know. Because, yeah, I feel,
0: I feel the same know, way. And I just, and I've never really, I've you know, I'm a, I'm a big... Jazz fan, and, and I guess because I've reviewed, I mean, I reviewed a lot of jazz for the newspaper and I reviewed all the jazz gigs, and, and you know, because God, because I said I didn't like, um, you know, some of the international visitors that, that the uh jazz students got to get in for free to, uh, some of the jazzers around town don't like me and think I don't know about them, but but you know, I've never really seen the distinction between the two either, like, jazz is just some of the music that I love. And, I, I, you know, just hearing you talk about it, I was just thinking, when yeah. I was, before I was a teenager, I don't know what age, but probably around nine, things that were big in my musical world, thanks to my parents, were Billie Holiday, Frank Sinatra, Buddy Rich and Miles Davis. Now they, apart from, you know, Billie Holiday and Frank Sinatra, they're all doing very different things with jazz. Wow. And, I was into the Beatles and I was into whatever pop music was, you know, big at the mm-hmm. time and the, the start of rap and all sorts of other stuff. And a lot of really, sh- I mean, f- I bought Rick Astley on cassette tape. So a lot of oh, awful stuff. Yeah. But I just, those were just albums and, uh, that I heard. So yeah. I just grabbed them because I loved them. I mean, hearing Buddy Rich, you know, before I'd even started trying to play the drums, yeah. was one of the reasons I wanted to play. Hearing Buddy Rich, it was just like, man, this clatter is just... Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, there are, there are drummers I prefer to him now. Yeah, yeah. But he still has a special power in yeah, some yeah, sense. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You can't say he's Absolutely. no good. He's no, fucking no, incredible. Yeah. But, you know, and... So yeah, I had those those four artists, and then you know I could start to think of so many more. And obviously, when I am a teenager, hearing things like John Coltrane's and Love Supreme and stuff like that,
1: just you know, I was thinking of Coltrane as you were talking. It blows actually. me away. You know? I mean, I was I was thinking, you know, maybe you know, like the yeah. Simon Weisses of this world co- co- just could not deal with. But I don't see anyone like of, Coltrane. See, I was learning
0: I'm about Coltrane and Love Supreme at the same time that I was. Because of my age and my era, this, that was the same age I was getting into, like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and The Who,
1: you know. And, here, I, yeah, and I and yeah. I
0: see them, you know, yeah, in the same occupying the same space in some sense, yeah. you know. Like oh, absolutely. Look,
1: at, the, you know, heavy metal and classical music has more yeah. in common than people give credit yes, for. Yes, yeah, you know? absolutely. So you know, look, look, the thing is, if you're open to music, yeah, you know, then genre becomes less of an issue. That's and, right. As you know, yeah, you yeah. know, one of one of the big sort of, um, uh, sort of. Um, what am I trying to say? One of the one of the guiding principles, <laughs> to put it, yeah, to find less highfalutin <laughs> words. But you know, Rattle has tried to be um, non-generic or yes. at least yeah. um, uh, genre-defined in some way, or at least genre-crossing. You know? Yeah, the, the whole idea of being genre-specific doesn't yeah. really make any sense to us, which is partly why I want to phase out yes. jazz because yeah, yeah. it's actually been too as a brand you gave yeah yeah, in fact I, I, you probably wouldn't have noticed um uh, but I recently went through the entire rattle website and found another way of saying jazz without oh, okay. using the word wow. uh, you know and I'm, and I'm talking about jazz much more when I in you know press yeah. releases I don't mention jazz I talk about it as sort of um, improvised chamber yeah. music you know, yeah, yeah. which is what it is for me yeah. it's chamber music that has an improvised component yeah, yeah. You know. and of course yes the language comes from um a jazz uh, sensibility also, yeah, yeah so, also yeah. with your releases i mean this
0: the the sort of closest to a straight kind of jazz you get is some of the sort of piano trio type stuff like yeah you are you you are usually releasing like quite interesting versions of jazz you know that go beyond people's generic
1: stock understanding
0: yeah which is usually either big band vocal or a little trio or quartet yeah and that's what they know you know like yeah.
1: No it's it's very I mean I I have you know a personal interest in a much more contemporary yeah. form of jazz and, and so you know um, right, um, and, and it's uh, not particular I'm not particularly interested in what you might call mainstream or commercial yeah. jazz uh, like yeah. the Snarky puppy style of thing yeah, for example yeah. I mean I appreciate what yeah, they do yeah. and I respect them and I, they're just awesome yeah, you yeah. know but it's not for me yeah. you know and yeah. so I'd rather go and watch uh, Wayne Shorter uh, completely disconnect a yeah. piece of music and yeah, t- yeah. tear it to bits and, and turn it into shreds. You know, yeah, yeah. that interests me much more. Yeah. Um, so... Or uh, Bill Frizzell, or find, Frizzell. Find the beautiful song, you know. Doing an amazing version of uh, When You Wish Upon a Star, yeah. which should have been the closing um, yes. track of that concert, except for the fact that Goldfinger yeah. and Moon River, which yeah. opened the... Um, the concert are uh, virtually the same song yeah 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 Yeah. <laughs> so there was it was a nice little bookend oh right, well.
0: yeah yeah oh man i love that show hey so what, what what what's going to stop you doing this i mean eventually money is going to at some point and eventually uh but that doesn't mean it totally well ends. money like, won't stop us no,
1: at all no. not having money doesn't won't stop us because you know look i i can because you've got, let your, let lunch, just you've got your brand and you've got your plant you've got your gear Let me give you two examples. Rubens Shark Variations, we did get funding for that in the end. But there was no funding to be had initially. We just did it, and we got right through to the point where we were ready to manufacture before we finally got some funding for it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, It's the manufacturing that's the key. If we can get that covered, then we're fine. Right. And often I will steal from one project that maybe is well-supported, and I'll siphon off some money to pay for something that isn't we've just come uh, over the last year or so Ken Young Michael Houston, and I recorded a whole lot of material uh, the Dear Belly Variations an album of Brahms an, al- um, an album of um, French music which is beautiful Satie Debussy, Ravel uh, um, fantastic album
0: Man, I grabbed like half a dozen things off your site last week after we yeah, you know, spoke yeah. and I haven't got through all, I mean obviously it's been a, a busy time with the festival and that, but I haven't got through all of those yet. No. no, I, no. But, but I've given them enough of a cursory listen each to go, man, these are all, yet again, these are all good. Yeah, and we're, so and like, we're talking yeah, like yeah. sort of pure classical yeah. Um, you know, kind of pure jazz, and then variations <laughs> of both
1: of those things, and, and these things like elements, yeah. which is yeah, a, yeah, yeah, an yeah, experimental bit of business, which yes. is unclassifiable, and yes, you know, it is. I don't know what it is. But well, it,
0: it, it works, and it, it speaks from and to the three personalities. The data, right? That, that's the nice know. way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. it comes yeah. comes directly from them, and it represents them.
1: Well, we've got, look in September. We're going to record Michael Houston and Bella. Um, over. we're going to do the Beethoven violin sonatas, yeah. all of them, yeah. which is maybe, I don't know, it's a four or five CD box set. Yeah. We've got no money. We've got absolutely no <laughs> money for it. We've got no funding for it. We've applied to a number of yeah. um, agencies and, and whatnot, including yeah. you know, Creative New Zealand, who won't fund it because it's not New Zealand music, which yeah. is you know, yeah. uh, ridiculous, if you ask me. But anyway, that's their mandate at the moment, so that's the way it goes. So, but, you know, um, we're going to record it because I can record it yeah, and they yeah. can play it and we've got a venue we can record it in and it won't cost us anything. Yeah. So we'll get it recorded, we'll get it mixed, we'll get it mastered, we'll get the cover design done, we'll get everything done right up to the point where we need to actually get money. Yeah. And what we need money for is the manufacturing. Yeah. So, and this is it with... I mean, what we need to do, really, is to get much more yeah. into the... Crowdfunding, and yeah, 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 and, give and actually the, get projects yeah. up online and say, Look, we need support to get this out, and I think we're going to start doing that, yeah, more yeah. More. Which is really just pre orders, it is, yeah, you know, yeah. in a yeah. sense, isn't it? Like, it's,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, well, you can go uh, around to Michael's and have dinner yes. with him for five thousand right? dollars, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> or if you just want your copy of the album when it comes out, you can send us 20 bucks, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can pay 20 or 30 bucks. <laughs> Look, it's so inspiring to hear you say that in, in the weirdest kind of way because. Um, about about the sort of money thing because you know it's a curse and it's dysfunctional I'm having this conversation with with (laughs) most people I have these conversations with for the podcast but I'm also having this conversation with myself Yeah. you know how long could I keep doing what I do and I've spent I spent eight years where people thought I was being paid by
1: the click and I was not you know I I really fucking wish I was but people people think I'm on a good wicket yeah I bet they don't know they don't know Yeah, exactly. I think, oh, you yeah, record company guy. Oh, you must be doing
0: really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what people. I don't know what people <laughs> think. I was getting paid, or get paid to write a gig review, but yeah. they seem to think that you get like hundreds and hundreds of dollars for it, which is <laughs> weird. Um, but but anyway, like, I, I guess I, I, I'm I'm my own manufacturing plant, and I can physically write. Yes. And it's about you know it's about that if if I find things to write about and I find reason to do it. That's always been my motivation. you know yeah. my motivation has not been money beyond yeah. the idea that I you know I tried to do it for a living for a long time and it didn't work out yeah uh, that that's a shame and that's a broken model that you know doesn't just affect me that affects you know loads of people. Well look, but I, that
1: alone doesn't I, stop me I, I, from doing my work. I know? have to say, I mean right from the get-go, I have never been motivated by money. Yeah. So long as I've got enough to pay my rent, I'm, yeah. I'm fine, you know. Yeah. I mean that's really always been my attitude. I do a lot of things for free, and a lot of things I do for free people don't even know I'm doing for. Free. Yeah. Like even the people I'm doing it for don't know. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah, I mean? And I'm yeah. happy with that because they don't need to know. Yeah. I'm if if I'm interested to do something, I'll I like, you know, I I got a call from Roger Mannins just recently who said he's just recorded an album with um, Anita Schwab. Yeah. And he said, um, is it Schwab? It is. Isn't yeah, it? Is yeah, that, is yeah. It? Um, and, he's, and he's raving. He said, look, this woman's a great piano player. She's yeah. very underrated. Um, she's not known here, but she should be. And I've just had her up here in Auckland and I've recorded it with Ron and the guys. Yeah. And I reckon Rattle should put it out. He said, I'm going to get the files to you, have a listen, see what you think. He said, look, we also need some help to get it mixed, too. Would you be interested? And I wrote back and said, look, here's the thing. Uh, I'll mix it for nothing. I'll just do it for you because you're my friend and I, you yeah. know... You have the relationship. We've got a relationship. Yep, yep. And this is something that you're passionate about. I'll support you in that. So I'll, I'll do that. If it's something that I don't like, we won't put it out. I'll mix it anyway. You can have it. I don't care what you do with it. If it's something that I do like and that um, I want to put out on Rattle, then what I need is manufacturing money. That's yeah. basically the bottom line. So yeah. if Anita can apply for some funding, uh, then we'll do it, yeah. you know. And if she gets the funding and there's enough to pay me, then I'll take some out and I'll yeah. get paid, you know? yeah. But if not, it doesn't matter because, you know, and it really doesn't matter because it's just one album. And it's one album that ought to be out there and it's going to be out there one way or the other, Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: And I can see how I can help to make that happen and it, I get a lot of... Uh, pleasure out of just making it possible for something that would otherwise not see the light of day actually see the light of day i yeah. mean there's a real satisfaction in that and to do it without without thinking about payment is there's something i mean it's not a, a sort of a masochistic thing it's just there's something right about that for me yeah you know
0: yeah no, I, do, I do understand that i you know for me my my uh um, my dilemma has been, has been wrapped up in obviously bringing a child into the world, yeah. having a mortgage, having, you know, debt from falling backwards by chasing a fucking dream. You know, like, well, there you so go. there are
1: those issues. You've got a child. So, I yeah. mean, Rattle is my child. You know, yeah, you do right. things for your baby yeah. without thinking of cost. Yeah. And I mean, that's the way I feel about it. But this. I
0: mean, in terms of worrying about money coming in, that's where my, that 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 is the only... Sure. Aspect with that, with yeah. that comes from beyond that, and I'm obviously a fucking idiot. But beyond that, I'm not money driven <laughs> at all. Like, it's,
1: it's money is something that I know we're going to sound like naive old. Y- yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. we get what we deserve. You know, yeah.
0: Uh, there is a there is probably a bit of that, but I'm you know I I feel that way about that. I'm very yeah. happy. Revel in your poverty, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this, this seems a, a, a delightful and upbeat note to end on. Um, but um, I was going to say, is there anything else you want to plug or put out into the world because I feel like we've had a good old chat
1: and it's been yeah. long overdue just rattle 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 I mean you know like if people are going to listen <laughs> yeah. to this and they've got this far uh, <laughs> um, yeah they might would, have found it easier by now to get into jazz <laughs> <laughs> I would just encourage people to get to the website and yeah. register and get our emails not that we put out I mean yeah, yeah, you, don't, you know we don't do a lot of it yeah. in fact we should we should really do more actually there's one thing I will say there's one thing I will definitely say right at this point because, and it's probably the first public acknowledgement of it, but um, ben, ben McNichol, who set up um, the Creative uh, Jazz Club in Auckland yeah. with Roger and Caroline Mannons, yeah. um, and who set up the Auckland Jazz Festival and who struggles to keep it going because he does it with no support, yeah. um, has just become involved with Rattle. He's become a sort of a, um, a partner, if you oh, like. Right. and yeah. cool. his And his focus is... Social media marketing branding yeah. um, mm-hmm. the website particularly yeah. so um, and oh, he uh, he that thinks in a way that I don't yeah and so it's and but we we'll sh- we share a lot yeah. we have a lot in common so. And he's a great guy. They're going to prop up and guy. feed off each other's streets. So. Well, he's a lot younger than me too, yeah. which is good, because I need people who fresh. might keep it going. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, you're not... You're not not you're in not, 60, I have to not, think about that. You're not you're
1: fading not? off the earth, but yeah, exactly, a
0: fresh, fresh perspective. Yes, no, that's is, right. It's probably good. Well, um... Yeah, as I say, it's long overdue because we've 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 shared a few emails over the years. And, it's and, good and, to meet you and,
1: after all this time. Yeah, so. it's been really great. So. And I've got to say, I, I really do appreciate the support. I mean, you've you've been a real advocate, and 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 I know it's not. I mean, you have you know you have had no vested interest in being no. so, and I know it's genuine, and I've really appreciated it. Oh, that, good. You know, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, like if I uh, I I just physically can't review every single thing any label does, let alone Rattle. But I, you know, you know that if if. Something really offended me um, that came out on your label, and I felt strongly about writing about it. I would, but so yeah, I, yeah.
1: To, to I look this, forward to the day. In fact, I'm going to work hard to find yeah, out what you're going to go, hate. There <laughs> you go. Um,
0: but at, you know, at this stage, I've just been mostly pleased with things. Yeah, yeah Or, or, or blown away because yeah. uh, I just want to say again, I think the the work that you've done over the years as a curator and a, and a creator is, you know, y- there should be a little wig set up at the. Museum for the artifacts that you're putting <laughs> yeah, out into this yeah. country, so I want to put that on the yeah, great, on the record. Thank you. Yeah. Great.
1: yeah, they are quite lovely, aren't they?